podcast recently described as the squishy heart of enterprise IT. Joined this week by Zach and Mike, Lilac sends her excuses. Since we've had a run of guest shows, we wanted to do one that was just going over the news because there's actually been a fair amount going on. One big thing that's happened was Apple is in the news as usual, and they've done a few different things. And we've talked on the show before about my travails waiting for the repeatedly postponed Apple event to get my new monitor. Long story short, I still don't have a new monitor. (laughs) We were going to ask, you know that. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I just got ahead of that. But uh, they they are talking about some other things. So the AirTags may be finally happening in some form. That's literally hot off the presses today. They announced some third-party partners uh, for that program. So in your Find My, the app that you can use to find your phone when you've lost it, You'll also soon be able to find your keys and your electric bike uh, if you buy it from this one Dutch company. That's interesting, potentially. But the other thing they're up to is augmented reality. So Tim Cook did a podcast uh, with uh, Kara Swisher. It was a good podcast. It was a pretty wide-ranging talk. Tim Cook is always very, very controlled in his public statements. But uh, he has been known to leak Uh, little hints about upcoming devices. So in the run-up to the launch of the watch, he did say something along the lines of, the wrist is a very interesting space for devices. And sure enough, there came the watch. And this time he said, you know, AR could be used to improve conversations. And it was a very Tim Cook thing. He strikes me as a very data-driven person, at least uh, in his public appearances. And so sure enough, he was saying, well, you know, you and I are talking, and uh, wouldn't it be nice if we were wearing AR glasses and we could see some charts which struck me as the most (laughs) Tim Cook thing ever. What do you guys think about all these hints, uh, repeated hints about VR and AR and whatever reality coming out of Apple? You know, it's it's going there, so it's it's no surprise. And I guess people have been expecting it from Apple for a long time. Uh, The interesting part is, remember those crazy expensive headphones they did, the -the over-the-ear ones? I, I, I can't even remember what they're what they're called, but the AirPods plus. Yeah. The AirPods plus. But if you look at the specs, they have a a godly amount of sensors um, and all sorts of different ones. So I think, you know, it's kind of a lead up to whatever they're going to do in, in AR XR. So it's interesting to see. And yeah, Apple will do it where it's actually not so goofy or maybe it might feel goofy at first, but then becomes acceptable. Uh, Not like Google. So yeah, I, I, it's it's quite it's quite interesting. I, I don't know what you think, Zach. No, I think you're right. You know, we talked about that when the AirPods Plus were were you know uh, discussed, and you know, there's a lot of features there, a lot of a lot of wiggle room, if you will, right, for them to do a lot with that. And I think there's more to come. So you know, I, I think you're right on that. And um, you know, it's it's uh, it's the next wave. I mean, we talk about this that. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of potential there, and we'll, we'll see what happens next. But yeah, I think uh, what happened to the AirPods Plus, by the way, are, are those uh, uh, still uh, still a go? I mean, what's the release date on that? I haven't really followed that. I oh, know they're out. You can buy them yeah. any time. The thing that they terminated was the the HomePod, the original HomePod. Uh, but you can still buy a HomePod Mini, which is a little bit confusing. So people are kind of wondering if there's going to be again a HomePod or if there's just going to be a Mini. And I'm a little bit disappointed because I kind of wanted one of those and they never did come for sale in Italy. And their entire life cycle on sale 
has been in a period when I can't travel, so I can't just go to another country where they are on sale and bring them back, which would have been my normal go-to move in these types of situations. But no, they are thing. I don't know. I'm a little bit skeptical because I don't see the use case. That's my problem with it. I'm sure Apple is looking at it because there's just so much interest going on. But Apple's not the company that innovates in public. They innovate in private and they don't release anything until they're good and ready and they're sure that they can do something disruptive and different. They let other people be first out of the gate and make the mistakes and they watch and they learn and then they come out with the defining thing. They weren't first to the market with smartphones. They weren't even first to the market with touchscreens. They were just the ones that did it right and in a way that everyone else was like, ah, okay, that's how you do it. And now, I mean, even Android people, I think, will agree. There was the Android before the iPhone, and then there's Android after the iPhone, which looks more or less like an iPhone. I think if Apple ever does AR, it will be like that. I'm not sure that it will be glasses. Google Glass kind of spoiled that one. But also, what would it really be for? That's the bit that confuses me. I see AR as being more a feature. And you mentioned, quite rightly, the, the AirPods. There's a spatial audio capability in those. There's the Which ultra works wide. fantastic. Yeah, it works great. Right. Yeah. There's the ultra-wideband chip in iPhones that hasn't really been used for anything yet. Uh, and as I mentioned, the Find My thing is going to take advantage of that. So maybe we'll finally be able to find the remote for our Apple TVs that slides down between the couch cushions <laughs> because the augmented reality will let us wave our phones in the air and it'll point us to it. That's the sort of thing I expect. The idea of goggles on the face, your iMessages popping up in your field of view, maybe, I I don't know. It sounds like a non-Apple thing. And that may be the mistake, like we're assuming it's going to be over the eyes and it's going to be glasses and, and potentially they'll do it a little differently. I, I have seen use cases that are quite interesting on more on the VR side of it yeah. Uh, in a manufacturing space where let's say you have a manufacturing area where uh, let's say whatever a technician does to get more efficient at, he needs to train at it. And, and training means that you're slowing down production. So I've seen companies that do like VR simulations uh, with like, um, you know, tools that are set up with sensors to train. So they're training like in virtual reality. And then when they get out on the floor, they can, you know, instead of taking 45 minutes to set up, they can do a setup in 15 minutes uh, because of breakage. So it makes your manufacturing, but that's completely VR. Yeah. I've also seen similar with AR where there's an an overlay on top of the machine and it shows you pop this panel open. And when the panel's open, it detects that it's open and an arrow shows, you know, replace this part. That's the sort of thing I could see being useful at home. All of those YouTube how-to videos. And instead they become a VR walkthrough where an expert walks you through replacing the filter on your washing machine or whatever it is. But would you really buy a several hundred dollar device for that one time every six months? But I think in the service world, if you have an AR headset, I mean, like I've had demonstrations. Oh, industrial. Yeah. But Apple doesn't sell to that market. That's more Microsoft, like Microsoft selling to the Air Force, the US Air Force. That I see. I've seen HoloLens do it. And it's quite interesting because it keeps like 3D spatial. So like... To to separate distance, right? Right. You don't want somebody potentially traveling to a location to repair some industrial equipment, or maybe it could be like a dishwasher or whatever, and they can walk you through it, right? If you have one at home. But the thing is, like, I don't know if you guys have held a Hololens. It's it's heavy. Yeah, I use it's, it at Mobile yeah. World Congress 
in the before times when we traveled to places yeah, yeah, and went yeah. to trade shows. <laughs> it's still clunky. It's still it's not it's yeah. not it's not ready for prime time yet. Yeah. It's amazingly good as an experience in its in its own terms. It's fantastic. It was able to detect where I was and where the the mm-hmm, objects mm-hmm. I was interacting with were and it gave me a very convincing mixed reality. And I thought that's cool. I would never buy one of these. <laughs> that's the the kind of problem with AR from my point of view. Gamers love the idea of these things because they they're immersive, and I get that. So maybe you know PlayStation start coming with these, but that's a relatively small market compared to iPhones or even Apple Watches. I mean, the Apple Watch, which has completely upended the watch industry and is the biggest selling thing by I think it's over fifty percent of the watch industry on its own. In Apple terms, that's considered a borderline failure because it's not big enough. That that's what they're up against. I don't see AR anything being that big. We're talking manufacturing now. Apple's big push has always been healthcare. So I'm just thinking to myself, you know, is there an opportunity in healthcare um, anywhere with this, right? Um, you know, and then Apple, uh, you know, may not be the first. Uh, you know, I think about the HomePod. They lost out there. I mean, they've really just taken a back seat to, you know, definitely the to Amazon and maybe even Google, depending how you look at it. So. Um, I think they have to get out in front of this because it's it's pretty big and their biggest competitor here, one of the bigger ones, you know, uh, and some of this could be uh, Microsoft or uh, at least in the VR side. You know, the thing with Apple, though, is Apple's never been a um, a revolutionary company. They've been an evolutionary company. So what, what do I right. mean by that? Right. Not the first MP3 player, the best MP3 player. Uh, not the first to create a smartphone, but they built the best smartphone, right? So they they evolve into it. So I think there's been a couple of shot at AR glasses. They will make the best ones. Let's, I mean, I have no doubt about that. So I think this evolutionary play has really helped them. The watch, though, I yeah, you, you know, I'm surprised you say they they might see it as a failure because I'm I'm still shocked how many people have Apple watches. Oh, no, I think Apple considers it a success. But for a long time, people were skeptical of it, even as it was overtaking Rolex and Swatch and you know both ends of the Swiss watch industry. I mean, everything they put their name on, people will buy. Uh, and I think the HomePod, like going back to the HomePod, I, you know, I think it's a retreat for them, but they're just seeing how it plays out, right? I mean, you have Alexa, you have Google. Microsoft has something in the space as well, I believe now. They'll come back. They'll be measured when they come back. I, I think Siri has been a bit of a disappointment to them. I, I think Alexa's like Alexa, Siri, Cortana, and Hey Google. I, I think uh, um, Alexa's like way out ahead, but they they built a developer community that's much better than than the others. I, I think the others are, are still quite closed, right? Wasn't there a focus at, at Ignite, Dominic? I, I think you attended work from home, right? And being able to you know engage people. Is there a work from home play here? You think? I mean, maybe, but. This is not a new idea. Certainly, I know, Zach, you've seen these in your time at Cisco. And maybe, Mike, you've had them pitched to you. These rooms where half the room is in one one building and there are screens on the mm-hmm. on the wall and the other half of the room is somewhere else. And there are webcams and it's cunningly stitched together. So it looks like it's one round table with everyone sitting around it. And Cisco is selling these, uh, these rooms as telepresence for a hefty chunk of cash and it works and but even inside cisco i can count on one hand the number of times the technology has actually been used at full strength very often you're in the room but you're in the room with other people who have their webcams off so you're just sitting 
around a half table looking at a screen and you might as well be in front of your own laptop. The idea that we'll all be sitting at our desks, but we'll be wearing headsets so it looks like we're looking at each other. Again, it's kind of interesting sci-fi thing to speculate about. It doesn't seem compelling enough for Apple. We'll see. That's the whole thing with Apple. Everything looks impossible until they come out and show you what they've been thinking about in silence behind closed doors. And you go, oh, so obvious now. (laughs) That's totally true. Totally true on on how Apple redefines it. I look forward to eating my words and signing up to spend the the children's college fund uh, on Apple's AR glasses in September or whenever (laughs) they come out. But sitting here right now, what I want from Apple is I want a monitor that doesn't cost as much as several of my first cars. So a display that is not, that is sub XDR. Uh, that costs maybe a thousand bucks instead of six thousand something along those lines a nice display a retina display but not a ridiculous studio quality color corrected thing um the air tags sound interesting my wife is forever losing her keys and I would love to be able to just press a button and make them scream for her. I guess that's going after that tile market and all these other Absolutely. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of silly. So yeah, I can I can see them going. I don't after think that. so. That that one I can absolutely see. The problem with tile is it's its own thing. If tile the company fails tomorrow, all of that stuff would be broken. What Apple's building here is, because Find My is already out there, you can already use it to find your phone, find your friends, and now they're opening it up to third parties. So it's a network that's already out there. It relies on everybody's iPhone. And that's the clever thing, is it future-proofs it. I'm willing to buy an AirTag in the way I've been dithering for literally two years about buying Tile, and I still haven't bought one. So that's, uh, (laughs) that's what it is. There's a network out there that gives me reassurance. And the other thing I'm looking forward to is my iPad Pro, uh, my beloved original iPad Pro, still the last one with a Touch ID. The screen's now cracked, a little hairline crack that you can't see, but you can feel one of those really irritating cracks. And so uh, I'm ready. I need a new iPad Pro. The last one wasn't enough of a bump. I want a new, a new one that's a big jump. I mean, do we think Apple has a leg up? Mike, you've talked about this before, right, with the supply chain, how they... They went ahead and, and just, you know, really beefed up their uh, their inventory. Oh, totally. That's Tim Cook. That's Tim Cook. He's the, the ops yeah, guy originally. Yeah, yeah. That's where he comes from. Yeah, he's the one who, I, I think, what was the product that they couldn't ship out? He he sent some people over to China, like in a meeting. He said, get on a plane and go to China. They didn't even go home. I mean, And then he turned to them five minutes later and said, why are you still here? And here, he yeah, got up and drove yeah. to the airport. Yeah, that's, that's the story, yeah. yeah. And I think he was supply chain at IBM. That's... And with the original aluminum iPhone as well, same thing. They bought up the entire world capacity for several years of this particular aluminum machining, sorry, aluminum for transatlantic people. <laughs> I actually believe that some of the autos have been talking to Apple about reducing um, some of their capacity uh, because they, I guess they account for a lot of the silicone production. And I mean, Apple products will not be late because they've thought this through. I mean, the fact that the others didn't is just like shame on them. But Apple really thinks uh, kind of supply chain from nuts to bolts uh, really through well. And so... Yeah, I, I don't expect any delays in, in their products. It's it's quite amazing. On the one hand, it's a handicap. People have pointed out, you know, high-end Android phones have had 120 hertz refresh rate screens 
uh, for a little while now and Apple still doesn't. And it's because of production bottlenecks. Apple needs to buy at Apple scale. If you're a little Android vendor that makes 10,000 handsets, you can probably buy that capacity. If you're Apple, you have to buy in tens of millions of handsets and that kind of capacity is harder to come by uh, it might take a while to, for the the science to ramp up to if it's genuinely new breakthrough stuff. Yeah, I tell you one thing that Apple does well is they really balance the the, the wants and desires of their like consumer employees and, and shareholders. I, I think there's, you know, I don't know that Google does that well, yeah. that Facebook forget about it. I mean, so I think it's really considered everything that Apple does. They've They've thought through and they look at it from from all aspects, right? And, and then you look at privacy. I mean, yeah, that's the reason most people use an, an iPhone. Of course, we then do stupid things with different apps, but I think it's the it's the main reason that um, that people keep going back to Apple. And that's the other news story that's been breaking is uh, this uh, Facebook breach from a couple of years ago, from two thousand nineteen. That five hundred odd million uh, user details have been breached have been leaked, uh, including Mark Zuckerberg's own information. Uh, I'm going to have to look this up, but it turns out he's not user number one in the leak. Number nine. Yeah, exactly. And somebody went through and found the other Facebook board members, but there are a few interesting gaps in the single digit uh, series. So my phone number's in the breach, by the way, if you you were wondering, uh, which I'm a little bit annoyed about. And Facebook has been going, oh, well, that's old news. It happened in 2009. It's like, yeah, good news. Everyone got uh, new phone numbers and email addresses and social security numbers since 2019. Good job. Uh, actually, they, <laughs> they actually pushed back, I think, yesterday about calling it a breach. They, they said that somebody took advantage of some feature they had to scrape yeah, it off. Yeah, it's a contact export yeah, I mean, feature. just like... I mean, literally, it's, it is a contact export. Somebody just happened to export a whole lot it, of contacts. It's just this continuing like, tone deafness on Facebook's part. I mean, it's just un- unbelievable. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm assuming there's some pretty famous and powerful people in that breach with phone numbers that are now exposed. I mean, the, the, the damage Facebook does is just unbelievable here, right? And, and they take this information, tell you they'll never use it to like, look up contacts and and they continue to change the rules on people. So I think people are getting really worrisome about about Facebook and continues to be. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, and that's the problem with uh, this data, this sort of data. People collect data all the time. Uh, Companies collect data all the time and they don't really think about, you know, do we really need this? And there was for a long time, I haven't heard it in a little while, which is maybe heartening, uh, people talking about data is the new oil. And the pushback, my preferred pushback on that is, no, 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 you should think about data as the new toxic waste. It's a a byproduct of doing something useful, but you want to keep it around for the absolute minimum amount of time possible and then dispose of it safely. So for instance, because this is, you know, plague times, I bought a fancy mask and it comes with an app that you use to track the usage so you know when you have to change a filter cartridge in the mask. All well and good, except it tracks precise locations. It's like, why do you need to, t- to track locations? Just track, you know, <laughs> either track vague locations or just track time. It's like, no, no, no. If you don't insert a street address, it won't let you track time. Uh, why? Why would you subject yourself to this? Because now you have all sorts of sensitive info and you have to worry about it and manage it and store it. Design your services around not gathering data. I think data, you know, everybody talks about data. I think, like you said, it's new oil. But really, 
to me, data is not valuable unless you, it depends on how you leverage that data. That determines the value, right? So I, I think we just need to remember. But I that. think what Dominic said, like if you think of the the example Dominic gave, it's the power of combined data sets, right? So, like yeah. I have no problem sharing this data. The second you merge it with location data, well, now you know where I'm going, what I'm breathing. You, right? You know, you could start predicting, like, oh, you know, we know, you know, we know you passed by someone who had COVID. It becomes like really uh, in, in, intrusive, right? And this is the the scary part of the the data that everybody has. You, you know, there's also this. Uh, speaking of Facebook, like on the people have the phone apps installed. There's a feature that shares your location, right, and and keeps tracking it. And it gets, um, yeah. I mean, you can look up people's location, where they've been, where they're going, even if they're not checking in. If you don't have that security feature uh, turned on, right. So it's it's quite interesting and worrisome to to a lot of people. No, you know, I don't wear a tinfoil hat. I have an app that I use as I check in to locations that I go to because I like using that to track places I want to go to that someone recommends. Oh, you might go to that restaurant in that city. Oh, okay, I'm going to enter it in my list. And so when I go to that city, I can pop it up and see all the restaurants and bars and whatever that people have recommended. Or what was that place that we went to that one time five years ago? And... I can go back in my own history and see that. So I, I willingly share that information, but I don't give it the ability to track me in the background. That's voluntary. When I go somewhere, I have to open the app. And from that point, it's tracking me. And I like that iOS gives me that level of control. The premise for a lot of this data is the new oil is, as you say, that people will be able to cross-correlate it and will be able to the other half of the bargain is they will be able to make good recommendations to you, good products that you might want, that you might not otherwise be aware of, which is all well and good as far as it goes. But the only time I've seen this work is a long time ago. It hasn't been in a while, but the original Amazon website, it would learn my habits and it would recommend the new book by the author you bought a lot of books from, the new CD by the band you bought a lot of CDs from, or the the band that you don't buy from, but is liked by people who also buy the sorts of things you buy. That used to be a useful service that Amazon would give me. Now, Amazon has gone completely off the rails. Their recommendations are utterly useless because they're all gamed. Facebook, the Facebook thing, it has all of the data on me and all of my friends and all of our conversations. I haven't used Facebook in a little while, but for a while there, I was a heavy user. And the only recommendations that gave me were those utterly creepy ones. You know, those t-shirts that are super specific. <laughs> uh, people who go to this high school and play this sport, uh, like whatever. Uh, wait, why? Who who even buys this? Does this t-shirt even exist? Is it just a virtual thing the algorithm's showing me? Those are the only recommended ads I've ever seen. And meanwhile, sorry, I'm on a bit of a rant now, but let me keep going for another few seconds. <laughs> the recommended products that's have worked on me that I've bought stuff from are from magazines where the only thing that people know that the advertisers know about me is a single bit of information. Dominic is reading Evo. Evo is a car magazine. You can sell Dominic car products. You can sell him socks that have designs that evoke the upholstery of classic rally cars. And I go, yes, I want to buy those socks. And you don't need to track me all over the internet and pitch me the socks and buy banner ads on every site I go to. You just need to know I read Evo. That's all you need. Yeah, but through but then I think the power of that is through liked audiences. They can pitch it to other people who are like you, and that that's the power of like the the omni channel type of experience, right? 
In theory, but like I say, that's just something I used to see work and I haven't seen working in a long time. I think the scary one that's coming in the future is Amazon on healthcare and Alexa. And yeah. I assume, Dominic, you don't have an Alexa in your house. I don't, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what they really want to do around Alexa, from from what I hear, is is track the... Oh, that cough sounds know. bad, Mike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they can and then they can pitch you some, some medication, right? So I think the Amazon healthcare... And, you know, it might sound completely stupid, but I kind of trust Amazon to do it. I mean, they have microphones all over the house. Yeah, go, go, go to town with it, you know? So... I think Amazon and healthcare is is quite interesting and and they will start to do some interesting stuff there which which is why if you think of how if you look at Siri Cortana and and Hey Google I think they're so far behind here and and that's the real problem I think Amazon has really kind of leapfrogged here and maybe that's why they dumped the phone right so you got to pick where you're where you want to like kind of extend your market so yeah, the the healthcare play is going to be huge in the future. And obviously, Apple, the Apple Watch is a is a key part of it, and who knows about the other, you know, the other pieces of it. I think this is one we need to come back to. It's one area where, I mean, once again, there's a big difference between how we talk about this stuff in Europe and in the US. Uh, Europe tends to be much more privacy conscious. So one of the things <laughs> I like, and I don't say this often, but the Italian government actually got one right. We have a national ID card, and it's now been upgraded to a national electronic ID card, and it comes with an app and two-factor authentication and everything you'd hope for in such a scenario. But what it does is interesting. It doesn't just release access to your unified government record to anyone who asks for it. It's selective. So the tax authorities get access to my tax ID and my bank account number, and that's it. The a national health service gets access to my medical records and my demographics, but it doesn't see my tax ID. It shows you every time one of these services asks you, it's asking you for these fields, these particular values in the record. Is that okay? And you go, yes, that's okay. And you access the service and the data is shared. I think there's going to be a lot more interest in that sort of selective sharing and people being able to to have more control in that sense. I'm always a little bit skeptical of the things about being in control of of our own data in the sense of selling it ourselves. But I like the idea of having more control in the sense of what do we share and when and being able to correct the record. Again, going back to Amazon, uh, back when we used to buy physical books, I would buy books for myself and then occasionally I'd buy books for my wife. And my wife likes different books than I do. And the Amazon recommendation algorithm doesn't necessarily know that. And so it would start recommending stuff that's not relevant to me, but it gave me the option to go back in and say, no, 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 don't use this for recommendation. That wasn't for me. That was for someone else. And it would, oh, fine, never mind. And it would, I would be able to train it back on my stuff. These opaque algorithms that follow us around, how does it know that I'd lent my phone to my kid and he was listening to dubstep uh, because he's 11 and has no taste? <laughs> and now my algorithm's polluted with dubstep and I have no way of telling it, no, that wasn't me. I don't like dubstep. That's the sort of thing I just, mm, I have a bad reaction to. I don't know that, um, I mean, we're power users, so we know what to opt in, what to opt out of. I don't know that everybody out there, maybe the future generation as, as generations um, grow up, they're much more aware of it, but but I don't think there's, you know, so many people of like our age uh, that kind of understand what they're opting in and out of, right? And 
that's part of the problem, I, I believe. Yeah. And, and it's a hard issue to educate people on, that's for sure. So here's one interesting tip that I'll leave for you and for the listeners. Something I do is I use a plus notation when I sign up for a service. So my email address is dominic.wellington at gmail.com. Yes, you can spam me. Uh, but when I sign up for something, I sign up and say dominic.wellington plus podcast at gmail.com. So Gmail is smart enough when it receives that, it knows it's me and it adds podcast as a tag on the email. And so I do that, I use the service names and so I can see who's leaking my details. And if I register for your newsletter or your cloud service or whatever, and then some random other vendors start spamming me, I'm going to come back to you on it. And it just happened with a big name vendor who I'm not going to call out now, they leaked my details and someone else is now spamming me with an email address that has the tag that's unique to them. <laughs> You'd be naughty. <laughs> that's so terrible. That's so terrible. Well, yeah. they didn't leak it. They sold it. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh that is totally above board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's brilliant, though, Dominic. I, I, you know what? Let's put that in the show notes. I think that's that's great. I like that. I can write that up. Yeah, I've never actually used it. That's uh, interesting. Oh, there's a ton of stuff you can do with Google that people don't know about with uh, with Gmail. Uh, did you know, for instance, it also ignores dots? So Mike Ionero, Mike dot Ionero, M dot I dot K dot E, et cetera, et cetera. They're all the same address as far as Gmail is concerned. Uh, so you can also mess around with stuff like that. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Anyway, vagaries of inside operations of Gmail aside, uh, we're roundabout at time. Do tune in next week when, with any luck, we'll be able to arrange for all four of us to be present once again. We've also got some interesting guest slots coming up once again. I always enjoy the guest slots. It's uh, uh, good to talk to different people in different roles and hear their perspectives. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Zach, Mike, and me. You can find more of us on Twitter at Roll for Enterprise and at the LinkedIn page. It's in the show notes. The show's theme music is by my good friend Renato Podesta. You can also find his website uh, in the show notes. But in the meantime, thank you for listening and talk to you again next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a great one. Yeah, thank you, everyone.